Are you a new clinician in the field wondering what skills you need to make it? I'm not talking about the trainings or the interventions. I'm talking about the stuff that comes inside. Well, tonight, I'm going to give you the tools. Welcome to Dark Side of Therapy. You know what we do here, but I'm going to tell you again. We help the new clinician, we help the new student get the truth about the field. And we do it in such a way where we're not apologizing, we're keeping it very real. And tonight we're going to talk about what a new clinician really needs on the inside. Now, if you've been in the field for a while, you know, we get trainings all the time. I get these things in the mail probably four or five times a week. I mean, I've got things on polyvagal theory. I've got trainings on EMDR. I've got trainings on trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. And these are all things I have been trained in. But I start to think to myself, what don't I get? And what is really necessary for a young clinician? And I've got a good friend who's in grad school right now, and I'm kind of bouncing some things off her, and I bounced this topic off her as well. Would people benefit? Would the young clinician benefit by really getting some insight into what you need? And she said yes. So that's what we're going to do tonight. I'm not going to do a top 10 list. I'm going to talk from the heart and just kind of throw it out there. So here's what I see. Outside of all these trainings, outside of all these theoretical bases, the work you're going to do, you need to have good self-esteem. If you are a therapist that suffers from poor self-esteem, you're going to have a hard time. And here's why. People aren't always going to be nice to you. And a lot of your clients, especially if they have some SPMI features, severe persistent mental illness, they're not going to be nice. And they're going to call you names. And they may even talk about your mother. Uh, you're not going to like these. If you don't have the esteem and the fortitude to deal with that, they're going to eat you alive. And so having self-esteem is really, really, really important. And if you watch my course or some of the other episodes we've done, uh, going to therapy is a really good way to deal with this and to build your self-esteem up. You don't want to go into the field having very, very low self-esteem. The next thing I want to talk about, and this is a really tough one, is boundaries. Now, by the time you graduate, get into the field, you may or may not have developed good boundaries. Now, what do I consider a good boundary? A good boundary is where you say no and refuse to put yourself in an uncompromising or a compromising situation. You just don't do it. Now, a lot of us don't even develop that skill until later in life. We just don't get it. Uh, young people are often uh, frowned on when they try to put boundaries in place. And certainly I've watched a lot of supervisees try to put boundaries in place at their agencies. They don't like that either. But it is so necessary. Because if you don't put them in place, you're going to get walked over. I've watched it a thousand times. In fact, in the upcoming training I'm going to do over in Duluth at the St. Louis County Social Services training, I'm going to talk a lot about this. You need boundaries. I am convinced the only way to practice boundaries is to practice boundaries. It's called saying no and asking for clarification too if someone is not respecting your boundaries. You need to have them. Therapy can help with this too. I don't want this whole thing to be about going to therapy, but certainly therapy can teach you boundaries. And you can practice therapy, or boundaries and therapy sessions as well. I've done this and it's wonderful, but I can't think of a more useful skill. You're going to want to know your triggers. We're therapists. We get triggered. I get triggered all the time. I've, I've worked with clients who've reminded me of people like my mom. I've worked with clients that have reminded me of people I don't like. 
And if I don't know my triggers and I'm not aware of them, I'm going to react. And this kind of puts you down two different roads here. You can react with too much compassion and do a disservice that way, or you can overreact and put some meanness into it. And that's not good either. But if you have no idea what your triggers are and you're sitting there with your client and kind of flying blind, uh, it's going to happen over and over and over and over again. You've got to understand your triggers. And it's not always people. It can be situations too. If you sustain trauma or something really bad has happened to you, it can be triggered very easily. And a client can trigger that inadvertently. They don't mean to do it. But it's good to understand that and to know what could possibly be coming. So knowing your triggers going in is such a great skill. Now, you also want to be in good mental health. Now, notice I said good mental health, not great mental health, because I don't think you have to be a perfect clinician to do this. We've talked about this in some other episodes, too. You just need to be of good enough mental health, meaning you separate work from home, you practice good self-care, you, you practice what you tell other people to do, uh, you eat right, you try to stay as fit as you can, something I'm still working on. But you need to be healthy enough. You need to be healthy enough to go to the job and work for eight, nine hours. Now, if you're not in good mental health, that is going to come out very, very, very quickly because you won't be able to, again, deal with what's being said to you. Uh, again, the triggers. You may hear something you don't want to hear, and that's going to trigger something. I've heard horror stories of clients that just tear people apart because they are not able to hear what they need to hear. Or I've sat with supervisees who, because their mental health is not great, feel like they don't know what to do. And there may or may not be something to do necessarily in the macro picture of things, but they just don't know what to do because their mental health is so poor. So take care of your mental health. You want to be as mentally healthy as possible. You don't need to be perfect. Jeffrey Kotler talks about this a lot in his book, Growing a Therapist. If we all waited to help people as therapists, until we're perfect. Nobody's getting help ever. So think about that for a second. Now here's one of my other favorite ones that never gets talked about almost ever. You need to be a good teacher. You need to be a good teacher, okay? And as therapists, we're not necessarily teachers, but I think we totally are because we're conveying information. I think one of the biggest weaknesses a lot of therapists have, they're just not good at communicating and, and teaching. If I'm gonna give a client an assignment, I better understand that assignment inside and out so I can give it to them and explain every single aspect. A lot of times they've come back and said, I, I just didn't get it. And of course, my dumb response is, why don't you tell me? Well, because I didn't want to upset you. Okay, great. So if in the beginning, I can put myself into the role of great teacher and teach it as simply as I can so that there's no question, I feel like I've done my job. Now, why this isn't in more training programs, I have no idea. Maybe it's because I'm so focused on linguistics and communication. But for the new clinician out there, this is something you're going to want to focus on. And there's all kinds of ways to practice being a good teacher. There's workshops. There's lectures. Uh, don't want to send you on a wild goose chase here to pay for everything. But get better at teaching. Your clients need that. They're not always going to understand you. Become a good teacher. And the last one I'm going to talk about is resourcefulness. Again, I, I wish I got a training in the mail that said how to be a resourceful therapist. Uh, maybe that's why I'm doing this tonight. Maybe it will be a training someday. But when I say resourceful, I don't necessarily mean perseverant. I mean knowing how to switch on the fly. 
One of the things they don't tell us in grad school a whole heck of a lot is that you can be sitting in a session with a client or family and things are going great. Everything's awesome. And it takes exactly one second, the whole thing shifts and everything's horrible. And you need to be resourceful enough to figure out how am I going to get myself out of this? Now, a lot of times it's simple as an apology. I'm so sorry. Even if I didn't do it or cause it, I want to do something to kind of break that up. And then being able to change direction. Now, I've been criticized for this because I do let clients come into the office and complain about stuff. Uh, they called it, I should say, they've, they've called it a cow in the past, crisis of the week. Now, I'm not saying we should allow it all the time and that a client should be allowed to come in and do nothing but complain every time. But sometimes it's necessary. And that's part of your flexibility and resourcefulness too. This person just needs to unload. I think in the end, we always have to ask, where's that going? Okay, how is that going to benefit you? But it needs to happen. You need to have that flexibility. And if you don't have it, again, you're going to stay stuck. So as I've given you these aspects of what I think are internal personal growth areas, I want you to think about them. And I want you to think about where you can get some of these. Again, you're not going to see a lot of trainings on this stuff. It just doesn't come in the mail. But you can find avenues and you can find ways to harness these skills. Even in the own, your own supervision that you're doing, you can talk to people about these things and, and fine-tune them. Because once you go in the therapy office and you sit down, there's really no escape. You're stuck with what you're stuck with. And I would rather have you more confident internally before you're competent in all these other skills and modalities and theories. So if you like this video, please smash that like button and please subscribe to The Dark Side of Therapy. And thank you so much for watching and listening and we'll see you later.